I know we always go back to horror movies. It's what gets Kyle and I super jazzed about watching movies. Um, this is probably the most nostalgic genre of film. Uh, even if it's not a well-known one to us, if we've never seen it, we're, we're into it already just like little kids. Mm-hmm. A certain, yeah, a certain style of horror movie, especially like us growing up in the 80s. Those kind of like cheap, a little seedy, cheap, those 80s style horror movies are just going to be always entertaining anyways. Especially the greats, like the one we have lined up right now. So in tribute to a horror master, yes, Wes Craven, we are going to pay tribute to him by popping on one of the classics of not only his repertoire, but the genre. Yeah, we're talking like, do you think top 10 or definitely top 20 horror movies ever made? Are, are you talking horror or slashers? Horrors. Okay, of course. I would say. Definitely. Definitely within also, that. Also, with uh, recently the untimely passing also of one of the stars of the movie we're about to watch, John Saxon. Yes. Oh, rest in peace. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that should give you probably a good idea of what we're about to throw on. And of course, it is the iconic Freddy Krueger driven A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Oh. This show contains badass material and foul f***ing language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the chief technical officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian Spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like and learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. The world can feel like a pretty hopeless place nowadays. There are about a billion problems in the world, but yet it feels like no one's willing to talk about them. So that's why you should go listen to my new podcast, A Modern Proposal. My name is Parker James, and I'm going to share with you the world's worst problems and some even worse solutions with a guest that's coming in completely cold. You can find A Modern Proposal wherever you get your pods casted. Listen, follow, and be sad. Take a short break.
I don't have my chips. That or, never uh, gets yeah. old. My chips or my Diet Coke or whatever yeah. he was drinking. <laughs> it was Diet Coke. He's just sucking it back. I like how he adjusts his, his tie for a sec. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, honestly, some of the best burps come from Diet Coke. I don't know what it is. It's the aspartame, but... Yeah, it's definitely extra fizzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. still one of my favorite Seinfeld bloopers. Like, if you just run, like, a blooper reel, <laughs> and them, watch, them watching him... <laughs> Michael Richards do that whole routine, eating the chips, and he like adjusts his tie, tries to swallow it down, and then when he goes, "We're back," all three of them keel over, and like they just can't even hold it together. It's so awesome. Well, like you watch those bloopers, and it's how we feel when we watch the show, anyway. Yeah, so you gotta wonder, you know, and you think about stuff too. Like imagine being on set with Jim Carrey for Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when. Like before he was about to blow up, how must it have been on the set to like watch that go down? I couldn't imagine. <laughs> you know. Couldn't imagine. So yeah, someone like Michael Richards is Kramer. I mean, the, the bloopers are great because they're all, he never <laughs> screws up and they always just laugh at him. The Jerry Stiller, Julia Louis-Dreyfus mm. uh, trade-off in the police station with George. You want it? You got it! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, it's so good. <laughs> My boy isn't smart enough to pull off a scheme like this. He got that right. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Kyle, what are you drinking? Oh. Seeing as you're back with us, schedule's lined up. Yeah, yeah. And you just, yeah, another week and then gone. <laughs> it's like another week just, gone. I know, another week gone. Yeah. And, Welcome back um, to Blur Uary. Blur, I know, exactly. Uh, just doing a couple from Cape Breton. Actually, I'm going to do the Capa Trail, I think, next month Beautiful. for the first time ever. My visit to Cape Breton, but we've got Big Spruce Brewings, Kitchen Party, and the Conniption Fit Golden Ale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? I'm on off track. I guess I'm off track, not on off track. It is kind of off track in Bedford. Yeah, off track in Bedford, Nova Scotia. This is the... Illuminati, the peanut butter stout. Now, I've had it before. I like the idea of peanut butter stout, but do you really taste peanut butter when you no, drink I it? No, I never do. Exactly. Now, I think... I have yet to have yes. like a real... Sure. Like, you say it's peanut butter. I don't know. It doesn't taste like I mean, it's, it's nutty. <laughs> it's nutty, but it's not peanutty. Like a rapper? Sounds like a rapper name, yeah. Peanutty. Peanut. P dot nut. But yeah, how is it? You like it? You know what? I guess maybe because I'm really trying to find it. It coats your mouth almost like peanut butter's oil. Okay. Yeah. But almost it's more of like a sesame nut than it is a peanut. Ew. No, it doesn't <laughs> taste like stir fry. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. That's probably next. I mean, there's probably. A teriyaki you know, ale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pad thai ale. <laughs> Last week we had actor. Like we had a legitimate actor on the show. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Caceres. He played. Very experienced actor. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lengthy resume. That's for sure. And they were all like major network shows and very, very cool guy. Like he was very genuine. Uh, clicked instantly. Uh, so that's what happens when you open up a couple of beers and you open up the floor to a nostalgic discussion. The real person comes out 
yeah, and like especially de- dealing with that kind of, kind of subject matter. Like eventually, you'll find something to kind of you can relate to anybody with nostalgia. You know, you'll always find a commonality somewhere. Right. I mean, and something that we discussed in the show and touched on was that I wasn't. It's not that I'm not interested. I mean, I would love to talk to an actor about what acting, like an acting experience, but he is an actor and any actor of any capacity has been put in the interviewing chair and just been grilled very specific questions about a specific release and they don't actually address the humanity of the person sitting in the chair. Mm -hmm. And that was my whole goal with the discussion was that we all grow up at some point. We all watch TV. We all, you know, listen to the same kind of music. Turns out he's a he's a major metalhead. Loves Pantera. Uh, grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so he knew what thrash was all about in the late '80s. By the time he was going to the show, so mm. yeah, yeah, that'd have been amazing. Could you imagine? No, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's and he's only about ten years older than me. So if you're growing up in the Bay Area, yeah. You know that that's that's pretty wild, especially if you're a metal fan. But Kurt, thank you very much for the for the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great to chat with you, and it was took no time at all, no stress. So we got you got to check out his podcast. There, what's your name again? I, that's a pretty great name for uh, a celebrity podcast. And uh, the other podcast that he runs, it runs with a friend, and they go through kind of facts and predictions and how you can survive this day and age called the quarantine roll call like they turned freddy into kind of like i know you love freddy oh yeah like into like a kind of pop culture a cartoonish yeah um poppy kind of horror icon just the idea especially at the very least the the idea of freddy krueger in the first nightmare on elm street is just one of the i don't know one of the most creative horror villains i think you could like a the the conjuring of that idea is just oh, amazing. So like cool. a, a child murderer who was killed by the parents of the kids in the neighborhood that he supposedly uh, had murdered. You know, they burn him, and then he comes back later in the like in their dreams to, to kill the kids of the parents that killed him. He's, like, a, he's a, an urban legend. Yeah, it's yeah. a great idea. I, I just was lying in my bed. We had we're in a second story apartment. And, Heard this guy sort of mumbling, grumbling, and shambling along. And once it went down, it was this guy, kind of dressed like Freddy, you know, dark jacket, the sort of brimmed hat that they wore in those days. And he stopped and somehow just looked straight up at me. And um, I was just, I was so scared, you know, I just like jumped back and was back in the shadows waiting for the sound of him going away. And Waited, waited. It seemed like I waited forever, and finally, well, he must have gone. And so I went back to the window, and he was there, and he just went, you know. And then he started walking down the sidewalk, looking over his shoulder at me, like, and he went into our building. So I don't know who that guy was, but he became Freddy. My brother went down with a baseball bat, and the guy ran away. So um, I guess my big brother saved my life. Who knows? He might have just thought, "I'll, I'll scare this kid for the hell of it, you know. So that, that became the basis of Freddie, just the, sort of an adult that took delight in terrifying a child. I love that. That's like, that's just like John Carpenter, like it follows type shit. I, yeah, lo- man. I love that kind of horror. It's terrifying. It's, it's, but you know what? That, that in and of itself is what horror and true fear is. It never goes away. It's always staring at you like 
even even when you think you're hiding kind of you know you don't want it to notice and then when you just kind of peek across the corner and it's look it's already staring right at you i mean that's that's terrifying yeah some some of the greatest terrors in in cinema is the stuff that's not flashy the stuff that's motionless hmm. well yeah that's like the shape yeah. michael myers yeah and even freddy in in many regards in this movie is that his uh, his physical presence is yes he's got the swagger and he's got a character and charisma he's got the smile but it's it's the silhouette yeah it's the unknown impending danger that he presents in just showing up what's really effective i love about nightmare on elm street is the the manifestation of a dream logic like a dream hmm. being stuck in a dream yeah like there's one scene where Teen is trying to run away, but it's like she's in stuck in quicksand. Like the way as everything is filmed is v- is very believable in terms of like being in a dream. You know, it's very. And I don't think a lot of. I mean, maybe Argento and I mean he dealt in a lot of dream logic, like in phenomena. You know, a lot of the maggots and just weird like bugs and wind and it's like dream logic. But I don't know. I, I Nightmare on Elm Street really felt like you were in a dream. I definitely in a nightmare. You know, definitely. So released in eighty four. A fantastic time for it to come out right at the end of the slasher craze. So I've I've gone in depth on slasher. Again, just to recap, Michael Myers, John Carpenter, they they hit the scene in 78. And then soon after that was just the ushering in of absolute madness of slasher cash in, either from independent releases or major studio productions. Uh, the problem with that was is that there was too much too quickly. And the more that they were trying to make them bigger and better with trying to come across as being this genuine kind of independent release was that they put too much money in to something that was overexposed, oversaturated. So it kind of killed itself. So now it's 1984. Freddy comes out and saves the slasher genre by reinventing it. Yeah. So the so slasher doesn't need to be a killer in the woods. Mm-hmm. Slasher could be in your dreams. It's the concept of what a slasher is, not necessarily the tropes that exist within a slasher. Mm-hmm. The name Freddy Krueger, he had been bullied at school by a child named Fred Krueger. And Craven had used the name earlier in the last house on the left. I totally didn't make the connection. The main killer's name is Krug. Wow. <laughs> I know. You would- so I knew the bullying thing. I didn't know that it was, this is like double dipping. You double dip the Kruger. Well, I'm sorry, Timmy. <laughs> but I don't dip that way. Oh, you don't, huh? No. You dip the way you want to dip. I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip. Hey, hey, hey. Get off me. I just always associate New Line Cinema mm-hmm. with horror Probably because of my copy and viewings of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Most certainly. Just that red logo, New Line Cinema. Yeah. Also, like, really thought it was creepy how he was like, eh. Yeah. Just it's like, not just breathing. It's like like mutterings of a madman. Now, is this, like, dream state Freddy Krueger just crafting his... I wonder what made him... Actually, maybe no. this is, like, actual child murderer Fred Krueger. Uh, this is child murderer Fred Making his weird ass weapon that he actually used yeah. to kill the kids. Yeah, it's a weird idea. Yeah. Now, if you also talk about an iconic horror movie weapon, hello, like blade gloves, right? 
Love it. Oh yeah, here right away. Oh yeah, look at this. I forgot that Amanda Weiss played Tina in a, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and I love that movie. I mean, yeah. she's only in it. She's not in it very much. She's kind of like one of the classmates of mm. Sean Penn's Spicoli, so yeah. she's not really prominent. But yes, no. she is in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So here we go. First, like this is what I'm talking about about dream state. Like it's taken her forever to run down this hallway, but it's yep. like forced perspective or whatever, and he's already like kind of putting you into a kind of claustrophobic, yeah. not quite real place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The first person listed and starring in this movie was John Saxon. Oh. And introducing Johnny Depp. I know. That's this the This really, like, gives you perspective of when this was released. Introducing Johnny Depp. He had probably only done 21 Jump Street, maybe, at this point yeah. on TV. Yeah. Great score, too. Oh, yeah, Charles one, Bernstein, fantastic. One two, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah, all in D minor. <laughs> all the great, sad, and horrific chords are it's minors. In, it's in D minor. It's the saddest of all keys. <laughs> it's, a, it's a part of a trilogy. It's a, it's a blend between Mozart and Bach. I call it a mock piece. What's the name of the song? It's called Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> As he's chewing gum. Yeah. This is fantastic. We've all had a horrible nightmare like this where you find yourself in endless corridors. But when you're in a dream, look at at her like half running. Exactly. That's a dream run. Yeah. Like what's up with the sheep and the goat sounds? Just like, just to add to the surrealness Mm. of it, I guess. Yeah. Great pop up. There are certain editions of this that you can actually see it was too wide of an angle. You can actually see Robert England's back hunched over. Under, oh, really? Yeah, in the in the bottom corner. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and like this scumbag, like, is he just like an on and off again boyfriend? Or that's not her father, is it, that comes in? I don't think so. Come back to the sack, huh? <laughs> Looks like, what's his name from Rocky? Right. Now, you got to wonder, have any of these parents, like, are they all in on it? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why Freddy's coming for you. So crazy to think this is Johnny Depp. Like this guy right here is going to turn into like, you know, one of the biggest movie actors we've known. It's so crazy. And like, has he ever talked about Nightmare on Elm Street? I would love to hear his thoughts him on just it. Just talking about the production yeah. and you know, I saw him on one of those. Was it inside the actor studio? He said, "Yeah, I was in a a horror film called Nightmare on Elm Street." Like, just kind of glazes over it. It's like, dude, if you didn't have that at that (laughs) time. Like, horror movies, and I think Kurt would attest to this too, is that they are looking for actors all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the one type of genre where it's like, just go for it. That's true. But yeah, it was definitely lucky that he, Mm -hmm. you know, as a first acting, you know, <laughs> latched on to this movie. Yeah. And similar goes to horror from the 80s. I mean, look at the the direct to video market that took over the horror realm. Mm-hmm. You know, how many horror movies did you and I glaze over as kids in those horror oh, sections man, that so many we're now just seeing for the first time in our 30s, early 40s? I like, mean, you know, I probably know so many covers yes. that I never even watched, but I know they're covered. 100%. Just because of browsing the movie, the movie aisles, you know? Yeah. See, this is how they feed the fear of Freddy. Is that they remind each other that he exists. Well, imagine like you and your friends are just talking. You all start to realize you, 
you're all dreaming about the same dude. I mean, that's pretty fucked up. That's how you give him the power. <laughs> yeah. Up yours with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs> this movie, I, I felt especially, it was like, it was just so original in terms of a slasher. Like, you know, how can you tell, how many ways can you tell a slasher movie story? Mm. You know, setting up teenagers to be killed by butcher knives or whatever. Yeah. Well, Man, that's a- like just what an idea this is. It's phenomenal, and and like I like I alluded to earlier, like the the timing of this was appropriate because the slasher genre needed something that wasn't in the woods. Yes, exactly. Where's the least likely place we can hold a mo- uh, a, a movie? Oh, in actual sleep in people's brains, like, right? Yeah, strange. Heather Langenkamp has the perfect girl next door quality that you'd want as a final girl, as a leading horror movie character. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Very Jamie the, Lee she, Curtis. Very innocent. Yeah. But confident. Yeah. You know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. She's already turned, she's turned down the advances. So she's yeah. clearly. She's virginal. She's, she's going to, she's definitely going to live this night. <laughs> the use of red is very cool in this movie Yeah, I don't too. think I've ever noticed that before. So Nicolas Cage suggested to Johnny Depp to pursue acting. I'm like, I wonder how they knew each other. And the fact that they rehearsed lines together, like. Did Nick Cage pretend I mean, I, that he was Nick Nancy? Ca- I mean, I know Nick Cage was in <laughs> Fast Times. Can we talk about the sex noises that they made? They oh, were howling. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I make those noises, but who knows? Well, we're only street away, and I've only heard it once. So <laughs> you were, But then you were outside my window when you heard that. So <laughs> No. <laughs> no. I love just this gentle nods at the spooky realm. Like the crucifix falls off the, the wall. Yeah, it's like a foreshadowing or forerunner, whatever you call yeah. it. Like when you hear a knock, three knocks at the wall or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Shea almost changed the title to Bad Dreams because he thought A Nightmare on Elm Street was too exploitative. That seems kind of weird. Bad Dreams is boring. A Nightmare on Elm Street is exciting. Isn't there a movie called Bad Dreams too? I am sure there is. And the fact that we're questioning it tells you the strength of that title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like thinking about the t- a title like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. It just sounds good yeah. coming off the tongue. And it you know it says all you need to know. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. So, in tribute to Wes, apparently he's an avid bird watcher. I did read that somewhere. <laughs> It's like a weird fact that we should know about Wes Craven. But hey, his like a what did it say? He had a, a degree in philosophy yeah, and stuff. Like he's right. he's like Cronenberg in a way, like, you know, an educated horror yeah, filmmaker. Oh certainly. So it says Heather Langenkamp played Nancy Kerrigan in a TV movie about the Tanya Hardy and Nancy Kerrigan story. She actually looks a lot like Nancy Kerrigan, honestly. Hell yeah. yeah. That's not a stretch. No. So love how we sometimes we don't know if we're in the dream. Or not? Yeah. Especially right here, like... Mm-hmm. Dina. Well, I guess that tells us all we need to know, but... But again... It's, in, it's the house, it's the backyard, she's wearing the same stuff, like... Yeah. There's something very vulnerable about being aware, but like mm. a lucid dream. Mm. Like, you're very, very aware of what's happening, but yet you've surrendered to the dream because you're dreaming. It really takes something to wake you out of it. Mm-hmm. So apparently the 
long arms of Freddy in the scene were guided by crews with fishing lines. Okay. Also, still not quite get a good like a full look at his face yet. Oh, I always love that the sparks flying from yeah. the this. I love this. This is, this terrified me. Like how his face is lit and his smile. Yeah, right there. That's like Michael Jackson's Thriller or something. Oh yeah, right yeah. here. Look at this. Look at his. Yeah, no. I hate it. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that was actually probably one of the first times. Usually, I would always watch his fingers and the blood spurting from it, mm. but I actually was looking into his face. That is pretty terrifying. Yeah, I love how they incorporated the real blanket in the dream. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Yeah. Also horrifying. Yeah, when the cuts first happen how her her screams change so almost like a gasp yes for like air yeah i mean you got to think he's just waking up too like is he you know he is he seeing what he think if he thinks he's seeing she's doing some great acting in this scene though you just think that whole room's upside down yeah for instance like i believe amanda weiss she uh, actually experienced some vertigo from that scene. Oh, really? Because the room is so disorienting that she was knowingly in a room upside down. Mm. Of course, her her gravity keeps her grounded, but yet the ground is now the ceiling, and the actor who played Rod is strapped to the wall upside down for the sake of the scene. Oh, okay. That uh, Wes had to kind of talk her back into continuing. It'd be kind of cool. Like I would like to see that. Like, just like... just. 180 it just to see how it might have looked like for her yeah to be writhing around on the floor yes. slash ceiling you know yes that's true here we go john saxon another great um just tied in i guess a little to our canadian selves black christmas yes john saxon do you know what take a look at his resume of yeah. film huge i can't mm. believe how many movies he's been in. enter the dragon but he has been typecasted as a cop. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he, perfectly. He's got that good, he that look. Yeah. I always hated Nancy's mom. Mm-hmm. These directors do a really great job at exposing how ridiculous the parental child dynamic can be. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, no matter what's going on, there's always a, a reason that they can give you that makes you go, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's always a good a good thing about these types of movies. You know, it's all about the, the kids having to stick together, be in it for themselves, band together to fight. Yes. Because the parents aren't going to help them. Now, what fucking news station? <laughs> that's pretty graphic. I yeah. mean, like, what was that, live? <laughs> yeah, is that CTV, live at five? That was definitely not live that early in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, you would never show a body bag with an arm flailing out of it. <laughs> Especially that bloody. Yeah. Now, she's put, oh, that's not vodka. She's got a frozen bottle of gin that she just poured herself there. Make sure she's not making some screwdrivers? No, no it said gin on the bottle. Oh, it said gin. Uh, excuse me. I'm feeling a little off track. <laughs> Imagine having to kiss a person you don't really know on the mouth. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you should, should ask Kurt. Uh, you should ask Kurt about that. Or any of our first dates. <laughs> I know, but I did always, you know, it's always kind of weird to think yeah, about. Yeah, Especially yeah, like yeah. during love scenes and stuff. Like, yeah, I guess you probably might have had to be a little bit. From, who's this guy? Always oh, cop. I don't remember like agents following her. <laughs> 
I love the use of red and green there. That's really neat. Whether or not that's intentional, it's really, really prominent. This this guy, Nick Corey, was nominated for a, a Saturn Award. Award for this movie. He does have quite a cool voice, I guess. Somebody else there. I'm warning you. Like, why were you going to beat her up? Oh, yeah. John Saxon, black belt and karate. Karate. Would prove later in Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. That's right. And Black Belt Jones. Man, I love that movie so much. <laughs> He's like a degenerate gambler in Enter the Dragon. He's always making bets. That's how he finds himself on Hans Island. Because <laughs> he has such a bad debt. <laughs> oh, Lynn Lin Shay. She still talks about this role to this day. Really? How at signings and meet and greets, if she's there, mm-hmm. people talk about her in this role and how prominent she was in that to them. Do you know what I loved her in was Detroit Rock City. Oh, really? She plays Jam's mom. I think I've only seen Detroit Rock City once. Really? Yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah, it is funny. But what I remember Lynn Shea from most, and there's probably, there's probably, I'm trying to think of which one I prefer, but it's Kingpin and There's Something About Mary, both Fairly Brothers movies, but of course, Lynn Shea and Kingpin was the, the disgusting like landlord that grow that used so good. Woody Harrelson for like sex. And oh my god! He, she appears in the like the he sees her like as a hallucination in the background. She's given like the the pussy licking. Oh, like, gross. so gross! But I love her most as Magda. In, oh, okay. Wait, sorry. Little side tangent. This is utterly horrifying. The Nancy's um, vision of Tina in a body bag in the hallways of her school. Just absolutely, just crazy. When like the legs pull up and gets yeah. dragged in the blood trail, but anyways, Magda in there's something about Mary to me is so funny, and actually, still something from that movie I use to this day is when she, um, uh, Matt Dillon's chucking the tranquilizers or no the the speed, yeah, so that the dog would get the the speed pills, yeah, but one goes in her drink and she drinks it her margarita, and she's like suntanning on the the, the her patio and she goes, oh, good good. Good, 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 good. Sometimes when I'll take a drink, I'll be like in a patio, like a beer garden. I'll be like this. Listen. Oh, that's good, 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 good. <laughs> I do that. I swear I do that. Because of Lynn Shea in their Southern Road Mary. <laughs> oh, dude. Can you think of any, like I can't, of anything Robert Englund would have done other than Freddy Krueger. I just can't think sure. of it. So it's... It's kind of sad, but it's also kind of a, you know, some people would obviously like, that's the, that's what they dream about, like becoming an icon, mm-hmm. you know, how does he think about his career? I guess. Oh, most, well, I guess he probably would love it. I think it. he's done well. Yeah. Nancy also very smart to get herself out of her dream. That's right. The gentleman who recites the bit from Hamlet there, his name is Don Hanna. Mm-hmm. Daryl Hanna's. Brother, hmm. what comes to mind when you think of Daryl Hannah? Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. So mm-hmm. I do love Daryl mm-hmm. Hannah in Kill Bill. Yeah. But then you got Blade Runner mm-hmm. and you got Splash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I can really think about. Yeah. The one that comes to mind before all of those was Memoirs of an Invisible Man. She oh, starred yeah. alongside Chevy Chase. I was like, that's one of the lower rated John Carpenters. Most certainly. <laughs> I completely understand. Do you ever have like a boogeyman 
type, like something that you growing up with, maybe like a legend in the town you grew up in or? No, I have not. But in terms of reoccurring dreams, because that's a very frightening thing too, is where you have reoccurring dreams or you pick up where you left off from separate nights. Um, I always had shark dreams. Hmm. But it wasn't as if I was being attacked. It was I was watching a movie that involved a shark attack. Almost like Jaws or, you know, not necessarily from Jaws, but an extension of the universe, as it were. But basically, the I wouldn't treat them as nightmares, but I would shock myself awake, like where you get the jump, where you, where you wake yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have those moments. And it wasn't due to fear from the shark, but it was due to the feeling of a nothingness or emptiness of as you float in the, in the body of water. Mm-hmm. And that's what terrified me more than the shark. Yeah, even like, not even in a dream, but I've always been freaked out by, remember I used to swim as a kid in Banook Lake. And, you know, I'd I'd swim a little farther out than I should, and then I'd dive. Mm. And my thing was to see how far down I could dive without just getting too freaked out. And I had to go back up because it was literally pitch black. Yeah. Like you know what that when you when you can't see the bottom, you're too far out, yeah, and the light just starts fading from yeah, you know, I could open my eyes underwater, but it's I don't know, just the idea of the blackness of yeah, a bottom like a really deep lake is very freaky. super freaky, yeah, yeah, so according to the National Safety Council, was it four thousand people die drowning in the tub, Wow. Every year? That seems like a large seems number. seems like a lot. Because it seems too little for it to be just drownings. Hmm. But in the tub. Is that what it said? Not to go well, drownings. But anyway. Now, are they talking about the tub or are they talking about drownings yeah, in any body water? Maybe it's, maybe it's any body water. Okay, dude. What wallpaper would stay on the wall with that much steam? <laughs> Mother. I'm okay, mother. You talk to your mom like that? No. And my mother has never had a a breathy whisper to say that she's going to turn down my bed. <laughs> Put some warm milk out for you. Like, what is turn down my bed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom was just like, go to bed. Yeah, go the hell to bed. Another horror movie trope that will be reused in Scream. Yes. The boyfriend coming to the... The nice innocent girl next door, final girl's window. The two store, the different interior and exterior. That's mm. cool. Not to think of it, Skeet Ulrich. Skeet Ulrich does look like Johnny Depp a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Wes has a type. He does have a type. So, do you know the scene that Johnny Depp reappears in, in Freddy's, Freddy's Dead? Dead? No, I haven't. I've probably only seen Freddy's Dead. I remember I watched Freddy's Dead at a sleepover. Yes. When it was on VHS, because I was probably still too young to act, have actually seen it in theaters. Sure. But I don't, all I remember is like the truck scene. Yes. I, I don't remember that movie at all. The, um, the scene that Johnny Depp is in. All right, once again, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Question. Yeah! What are you on? 
Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. <laughs> I love how no matter where they are in their dreams, they're always going to end up in that back alley that leads to the um, furnace room yep. or the boiler room of, what is it like? Because was he a school janitor? Yeah. Yeah. I think three articles in the LA Times over a period of about a year and a half. Um, the first one was kind of sketchy and it was the story of a, of a young man dying um, after having a severe nightmare and they couldn't figure out how it happened medically. And then there was a second story about nine months later and nobody, this newspaper didn't seem to correlate it. They didn't seem to remember the other story. And then the third story, and the one that really made me feel that I have to write a script about this, was um, this kid. All these kids were Asian. All of them were Southeast Asia. All had come out of uh, kind of war zones from Vietnam and, and Pol Pot, the, you know, the culling fields. And their families had gone through location camps, and then it ended up in the United States. Um, this kid was having nightmares, and he said, somebody's after me in my nightmare, and if I sleep, I know I'm going to die. And his, his father was a physician, um, and he said, I'll give you sleeping pills, you'll be all right. We've come through a horrible time, now we're in America, you're safe. Uh, and uh, the father started giving the kid sleeping pills, and the kid supposedly was taking them, but he stayed up, and he stayed up for something like five days, and it was like an amazing, just, you know, keeping himself awake almost by putting matchsticks in his eyes. <clears throat> and then finally he fell asleep while the family was watching television, and they took him upstairs and put him in bed, and uh, the parents later said, that, you know, we were all convinced that the crisis was over. And um, in the middle of the night, they heard screaming and thrashing and ran into his room, and he was, like, kicking and screaming, and they got to him, and he just fell dead, and he was dead. And uh, there were three things that really just made me think this is a movie. One was they did an autopsy on him, and nothing was wrong. There was no physical reason for it. The second was that they found, the family said they found all the sleeping pills that supposedly he had taken uh, hidden. So he had obviously put them in his mouth, and when Dad wasn't looking, it was right back out because he didn't want to sleep. And the third thing was this incredible thing. This kid had run an extension cord behind his bedroom curtains and into the closet, and he had a Mr. Coffee in there with black coffee. So he had a source of keeping awake even when he was in his room supposedly sleeping. And it was just so, it was heartrending because this kid... He was right, you know. He died as soon as he fell asleep. And what's with 80s mom and, like, nipple silk? And they're all out of it a little bit. They're <laughs> kind of, like, always, like, kind of semi-sleep. Like, well, they're drunk in the day, apparently. Yeah. With their morning of gin. Complex mechanical system of cables and piano wire. To kill Rod? <laughs> so complex. Where do you get the sneakers from? I thought they picked them up barefoot. <laughs> this guy... Who's playing the doctor? The sleep disorder is named Charles Fleischer. Flesher also provided the voice of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> what incredible! Incredible, very exorcist ish type. Yes, it is like hospital bed convulsing, like really, really violent convulsing. Yeah, she's turning gray. <laughs> You know what's funny is that very subtle, good-looking graphic. Yeah. For uh, special effects. Oh, I love... Is this it? (laughs) I love that moment, too, when, you know, the unbelievable becomes believable. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look at this. Like, you can't deny this. 
I didn't have this before, you dummies. No. Nope. <laughs> There's something going on. You have to believe me. You yeah. Know? I'd love that. You know, the more that I'm, as I'm watching this and the influence from this, knowing what I know, I'm hearing shades of Nightmare on Elm Street and seeing shades of Nightmare on Elm Street in It Follows. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> like yeah, the mean, music, the synths chosen, yeah, mimic a lot of these callback to like Bernstein and Carpenter, like those very very specific eighties horror musical tropes. The stings, and just even it follows has a very, it's a very dread, it's like, nightmarish, dread heavy nightmare dreamish. Like yeah, not quite you know very kind of on the plane of sleep or something. Oh, yeah, it's a very weird movie. Yeah, that's funny. The origin of the word booby trap means the person that sets it off is just a fool, a boob. <laughs> I'm setting booby traps. It's booby traps. That's what I said. I'm setting booby traps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was that silver stripe in her hair added, do you think, during the story to make it obvious that She's just been terrified too many times in her sleep that she actually has a, or was that actually her hair? It it, it was added. Um, oh, look at the Rush album cover behind it. I wonder if that's what he's listening to. I don't know that Rush Living album. Living in the limelight, the universal dream. Love it. Look at that like stagnant coffee pot just sitting there on top of the TV. Yeah. Uh, it's like when you go into the, your break room. Yeah. <laughs> it's been sitting there for like two hours. And you do this. Uh. <laughs> Look around if anyone knows the time on this. What's the ETA on this? Yeah, but the timer on the coffee pot's already, it's already yeah, off. It's so already it's just off. cold and, coffee. And you're like, <laughs> just touching the side of it, be like, maybe. Just nasty. Miss Nude Miss America. Miss Nude America. What? What? Yeah, n- there's no way that was did on miss, during in I 1984. I mean, I was happy if I caught Blue Nui Saturday nights on the French Channel. I didn't need to know what they said. Yeah, you'd stay up all night to watch Blue Nui. You lasted five minutes. <laughs> well, at least to the first, like the first good scene when you know, then you could go to sleep. <laughs> you gonna sleep uh, don't need to say any more than that no time to go get my gin yeah it's cold gin time again <laughs> you know it always wins <laughs> keep it together caffeine in most cases takes about 30 minutes oh. 30 minutes no way no halfway through my first cup of coffee I'm I'm happy that I have it. But maybe that's like conditioning and addiction. Yeah, that is addiction. That is like, 100% what it is. Yeah. So is this the thing in the 80s that parents were okay with know. just locking their kids in the house? I wonder. Like barring them in? I know. Like he's he's looking at her house with the bars on the window saying that kid's some kind of lunatic or something. Meanwhile, the mother fucking put bars on her bedroom window. She like, has no one have in the morning. <laughs> No one have anything to say about her. She par- was involved her in the killing style. of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. But she has obviously she has alcohol just hidden throughout her whole. You house. know what? If you're if you're down in anything, it doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> it's whatever you can get in your system. This is right, baby.
to quote the, the great late Jim Leahy, I am the liquor. Fuck. That is the single greatest line. <laughs> Do you know, if I see even just a gif of that, I start losing it. I know. Because <laughs> you can I, hear I, I saw that it. breathy, I, saw, I am the liquor. Well, I saw, <laughs> I saw a t-shirt of it the other day of just like, his eyes and the and his face like as the silhouette, and I just had, I was like I, I I showed my wife I was like look at this how amazing is this because I it's such a great line like and it, as bad as it is for Leahy, yeah. um, I don't it, it, in a way it's a little relatable. Oh, like tonight I am oh, the liquor. I am the liquor. <laughs> yeah, there's a point where everyone passes that where all of a sudden they become the liquor. They become the liquor. Yeah. Where you get so drunk you're sober. <laughs> In your mind, anyways. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. That's another great line. Yeah. Don't worry about I got this. I got this. What's what's the Ossifer problem? I'm, I'm home. I'm I'm fine. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. No, no, you're not. Yeah. Take me drunk. I'm home. <laughs> Take me drunk. I'm home. Thank God you pulled me over. I could have killed somebody. <laughs> no, I can't get out. You get in. <laughs> Here, let me move some of these bottles out of the way. <laughs> that's, a, that is, that's a great moment. Like, I've never experienced that as a fear in my life where I thought, you know, uh, uh, a Kruger tongue is going to come out of the phone at me. <laughs> a Kruger tongue, but yeah, I know. yeah, that's uh, it's it's great. It just adds to the movie. Locked, locked. locked. Oh god, this yeah. is her, her most pitiful. Oh, you fucking liquor pig. Pretty sad that she's just like that much of a drunk. Fucking, Can't even believe you it. lush. Like, how would Nancy have known about Freddy Krueger? Like, you don't believe her at yeah. all. Yeah. He's listening to KRGR. <laughs> He's already dreaming. Yeah, you're fucked, bud. Yeah. This is also, I'd like to point out, I brought this up this in is a previous. This a great, great kill scene. I, I brought this up in a previous episode. This is the only Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy costume that has solid red for the sleeves. Hmm. Never noticed. They're not striped. We also like to see the nods to Freddy in the room there, the right hand imprint on the wall. Oh, yeah. The red and green mask there. Yeah. The stripes. I never noticed that. So, obviously, this film, this is filmed upside down. Very shiny. And they're just gushing shi- it. And it's like shining-esque or something, yeah. But ha- what happened in this scene? Do you, know the, do you know the story behind this? No. What happened in the scene was that there was so much electricity and fluid happening that it electrified the fluid. So as the blood was gushing out of the bed, of course, it would be pouring from the ceiling to the ground, filmed upside down. It passed through and by the lamp and any other kind of light circuits in the, in the, in the scene. And it, it's on a, a rotating set. Well, it started pouring all over the floor, and, it's, and it was live. The fluid was now live mm. and electrified. Hmm. And there was this panic to get it moved. So, like, there's a couple scenes where you can see it drifting one way. It's because there was so much fluid, it was actually tipping the room in another direction. So it was a cool effect for us to see it. Mm -hmm. But it was actually all by accident. And there was really nothing they could do to stop it because 
the flute was all electrified. It's a real nightmare. On it is a set. nightmare. Hey oh <laughs> tonight in Cape Breton, the drive in theater is showing The Exorcist and a Nightmare on Elm Street. What? Oh. I still haven't been to any of those drive ins yet. There's like there's one in the valley, there's one in New Glasgow. I know. It's one in the Do you know why? You and I are old men, and by the time we want to see the <laughs> movies that we want to see, it's 2 a.m. before we're home. I know. That's the thing. Like, I'm not going to take over to bed and breakfast to go see Nightmare on Elm Street. I almost think kind of have to with this. Like, we got to wait for the perfect one, although I think the perfect one already happened. Yes. But, yeah, it's an hour and a half drive, man. Yeah. That's too much. I like how you just went ahead and said we. Like, that's very cute. Well, don't you want to go? Oh, yeah. I hate to disappoint you, but there's no rooms with two beds. It's We're just going to have to share. I snore too bad. <laughs> you can find a hot wire in fucking New Glasgow for like $80 an hour. <laughs> fucking sleep apnea mask. <laughs> <laughs> I I want I want Dawn to actually like ta- she like I want her to tape how I snore because I don't know how I apparently I do though pretty bad <laughs> enough for her to like she like takes her whole hand on my face and just pushes it oh to the side my God. and then I wake up and I go what what <laughs> and then that's when I know it's time to move to the other room yeah there's something magical about someone who has a loud snore. <laughs> Because as bad as you think you are, there's always someone that's worse. Man, she once told me. <laughs> oh God! She once told me she woke up. She woke. She was sleeping in our room alone, oh, God. and I was passed out on the couch in the living room. But it was like vibrating the walls. <laughs> my snoring. <laughs> my yeah. wife's cousin. He snores so loudly that it's not even a snore. Not like a. Like, it's not a snarl or anything. It's like an audible note. A foghorn. <laughs> it's like a note. Like, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's coming through the nostril. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know what that is? Yeah. I am the liquor. <laughs> That's a night when you're like... <laughs> Yeah, that's a Leahy snore. (laughs) 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 Sorry, sorry, baby, the liquor got a hold of me. been there oh. Oh. <laughs> what movie are you watching again oh my god teratophobia is the fear of monsters comes from the greek terrace meaning monster huh terror I guess everybody has a fear of monsters like who who <laughs> like who if a monster was in front of them they'd be like i'm good no i'm cool yeah i have no fear yeah, that's a good point because <laughs> the fear know, of monsters. Uh, yeah, isn't that just kind of universal? Yeah, as as much. Yeah, 
Yeah, as much as I I enjoy the movie Little Monsters, uh, Fred Savage was okay with Maurice way too quickly. Yeah, really. I know. Was he that desperate to have like... (laughs) A friend? Yeah, a friend who got him. I love how Wes somehow incorporates like, so kind of referencing both Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, the cops are involved at the murder scene and are still useless. Yeah. Like Dewey. Yeah, that's true. Is at this the is house. Like, there's a lot of similarities here. Like Definitely. With this I think there's Scream. a West trope. Yeah. Definitely like an intentional kind of thing. I always love that like idea of, you know, facing your biggest fear. Yeah. And using it against them, you know. Yeah. And that's all sure. she needed to do the whole time. Yeah. Except does she? Mm. I know this almost looks like a fifties. Like all of a sudden they're in a fifth, like a like perfect idea of the suburban fifties yes. family in the house. It's yeah, like, this is the American dream. The white yeah, picket fence. It's like no, that means you're not. This you're, is the you're still dreaming. Yeah, this is the cleavers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything's fine. Mm. Yeah, the idea of everything's perfect. Yeah. Such a great ending. I love this. Yeah. yeah Everyone's so, fine. Perfect convertible. Yeah. Everyone's waving. Oh. Except the roof of their car looks like Freddy's sweater. All very, also very Lynchian, mm. I find too, of like, so they're obviously terrified screaming and she's like waving, smiling as if nothing's happening. Yes. Terrifying. Yeah. And how did they do that last? Like, I was thought it was. And what a great final shot of the kids with the skip rope singing Freddie's nursery rhyme, you know? Yeah. But like, what is that? How they pull her through the the, the hole of that door. Like, it looks, I don't know, it looks odd. It looks too fast or something. Mm. I wonder what it is. Yeah. Might be a combination of frame speed. Mm. There we go. We did it. Excellent. Thanks for joining us again on Nostaljunk Podcast. You know where to find us. We are at Nostaljunk Pod on all the socials. You find us anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, you can find Kyle and I drunk in our basement um, at least once a week. <laughs> yeah, come down, come down and visit us. Yeah, yeah. That'd we're, be awesome. we're just over in Beachville, we're just <laughs> behind Bears Lake. And uh, this is Matt for Nostaljunk Podcast saying, This is God. And I'm Kyle for Nostalgia Junk Podcast saying, up yours with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs>
one who has seen the show before, and one who's not so sure. While we drink a lot, I mean, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Every season, we will focus on a new show. And for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass with Sass and Sips.